You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room where we talk all things comics and movies. This is episode number 58. We're discussing Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi. And also a little bit on the Logan final trailer. I'm Ernie Rose Tim. I'm Troy. We finally got a reveal from Star Wars Episode 8. We've been wanting this, we've been begging for something here, just a little reveal. And Dizzy decided, or Lucasfilm decided, to whet our appetite a bit here. We've got the momentum dying down. From Rogue One, and we finally get the title for Episode 8. I thought they are going to wait all the way to Celebration, but I'm glad that we got something here on just a casual Monday afternoon. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I'm surprised. I thought it was going to be Celebration. We got that announcement, but it makes sense, I guess, with uh, Rogue One cracking that billion-dollar mark, and it's kind of dying out a little bit, yeah. that why not uh, give us some more Star Wars and keep that hunger going with uh, the title, yeah. Episode 8. I'm excited to speculate here, because the internet's been running rampant yeah. with speculation as to what this title could actually mean. And, of course, we're going to overanalyze this. It could be a very simple title. But we're going to get into that, and also we're going to discuss this episode, the final Logan trailer. I'm always one to say, don't watch the final trailer, and that I had to watch this because of my skepticism going into this movie. And I'm happy I did, but also a bit sad that I did as well. <laughs> so we're going to break that down towards the end of the episode here but like i said we finally got this reveal the last jedi and star wars announced this on their website on monday and what's interesting about the announcement they made nice reference to the fans here but they did say the title for the next chapter of the skywalker saga so does this kind of change your thoughts on ray um, not too, too much, because I wasn't giving too much into that theory of the Obi-Wan. Yeah. Um, the general audience has always believed it's been a Skywalker uh, saga, but it's really cool. They've laid the stamp down and they're saying, yeah, this is a Skywalker franchise. So, um, kind of backs up my theory a little bit more so. I'm going two ways. I mean, the obvious one is Luke, and there's that other option I have where she could be a clone of Luke, or, or sorry, a clone of Anakin. Somewhat going back to Jack, there's a whole bunch of things going to that theory. But um, no, I love this news. I love this news. We're back on track. I'm, I'm all about the Skywalker legacy. And yeah. We're right back on track. Well, it's nice to see that they've acknowledged that. And yeah. it does make me question a bit about my theory about her being a, a spawn of Palpatine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And But I think all in all, it's a Skywalker story. We still have Luke there. Ben Solo is yes. technically of the Skywalker lineage. So it is focusing in around the force-wielding Skywalkers to a degree. And mm-hmm. it's interesting that they did mention that. Absolutely. Before we speculate a little bit on what this title actually means, The Last Jedi, I thought it'd be kind of fun to go through each individual title in the Star Wars films from the prequels right through into The Force Awakens and just give our snap judgment as to what we think or what we've always taken them to be at face value. So let's start off, you know, we're going to go chronologically. Let's start off with The Phantom Menace. What are your thoughts? Uh, Palpatine. Palpatine for Palpatine, sure. Palpatine puppeteer for sure. Yeah, the, yeah. Re- the return of the Sith. Yes, Attack of the Clones. Very literal, I think. <laughs> yeah, the spawn, the dawn of the clones. The yeah. clone army, yeah. Revenge of the Sith. 
Yeah, uh, payback time. Anakin's yeah. joined them and, and they sit there on, on their vice. Yeah. yeah, the death of the Jedi Order, more mm-hmm. or less. Order 66. Yes, Rogue One. Very literal. <laughs> yeah, the call sign, right? The team yeah. coming together, Rogue One. Yeah, Definitely. This is an interesting one here. A New Hope. Has your perspective changed a bit as to what this title exactly means coming off the back end of Rogue One? I still believe it's Luke Skywalker. Yeah. yeah. Still going with that. The, the Jedi. There's hope for the Jedi. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I've always thought it's nice. Luke, I'm sticking with it. Awesome. The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, yeah. They're, they're getting the win. They do get the win in this movie. Spoiler alert. Very literal again. So that's both the second entries into the individual saga films or the prequels and the original trilogy that are very literal titles. Mm-hmm. And Return of the Jedi. This is a tricky one. For me, I believe it's Anakin's Return to the light the jedi right yes yeah it can be taken i guess both ways i've always taken it as the return of the jedi through luke okay yeah and when i thought a bit more about it today yeah i was thinking it's the return of the jedi if right. anakin is the chosen one the one that's meant to be balanced to the force and destroy the mm-hmm. sith he's finally returned here in return of the jedi yeah so he kind of gets two titles he gets um you know revenge of the sith and then he gets the return of the jedi yeah. if you look at it that way for episode six yeah now skipping ahead 30 years the force awakens Literally, literally the title, yeah, The Force is Awakened. Um, do you think it's in an individual, or do you think it's an awakening of the Force and of evolution into something different? That's interesting. I always interpret it as the individual and kind of the general audience. Like, The Force is back. We're excited again yeah. for The Force. Yeah. But so, more so the character, I believe, the individual. Yeah, I was, so Ray specifically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking about it a bit today, yeah. and I was running through my head and trying to connect these two titles up again. Mm-hmm overanalyzing it as we do from time to time star wars (laughs) um the force awakens i'm thinking of it maybe as the force is awakening and maybe evolving into something different we've talked a lot about and we spoke about this on our rebels after show stars rebels alert that drops every monday little plug there check it out (laughs) um about how we seeing the force evolving into something different through kanan and we're seeing these threads tying in the bendu and what ahsoka is and the night sisters yeah Yeah. the knights like all these different things and aspects and the force surrounding different people kanan had a very interesting line on this past week's rebels about how the force is embodied in everyone and we've got maze katana and we've got lira urso so there's a lot of these characters in here that are demonstrating to us in this new canonical material that the force isn't as binary as we thought it was it's not as black and white sith jedi there's a lot of gray area so i'm curious maybe again maybe reading into it too much but the force awakening is kind of this this change the status quo change in the force awakening and maybe that's through ray that that's happening right and i think that ties a bit into what my assumption is for the last jedi in the sense that Luke might be the last Jedi, and that's referred to directly in the crawl of Episode 7. Yeah. Luke Skywalker, the last Jedi. So it's, it's very specific there, and it could be as simple as that. But I've taken this more of a less literal sense and more abstract in the sense that it's the last of the Jedi Order. Luke is the last of the old Jedi Order, and we're having something new being born in this movie through Rey. I really like that. When you put it that way, I'm really sold on the idea. Because, yeah, the obvious answer is just to be like, okay, Luke's the last Jedi. Looking into it too much, what if it's in reverse? Or not even reverse. What if it's Luke isn't a Jedi? What if he gave up the whole mantle and Rey is the final Jedi? I don't know. But I really do like your uh, your speculation going on there. It's a lot better than the crazy one I'm hearing out there where um, basically because the font is red yeah. and the background is black, that we're meant to believe... Darth Maul is somehow related to this whole thing. I, it's crazy. I threw it out the window, but I did hear about it. It's not me that created it, but I did hear this theory, and I 
I don't chuckled. buy that. Yeah. At all. I think it's an interesting way to contrast a bit the title. Like there yeah. has talk that I think the Phantom Menace, the first title, was red, and I believe oh, okay, cool. Return of the Jedi. I might be wrong with the it. It might have been Menace. Revenge of the Jedi, even. Uh, I think, yeah. So right? there's, there's. I think the original either was Revenge of the Jedi, yep. or Return of the Jedi. The original title was in that red, the red font. font. Yeah. So them tweaking it here, it, you know, it's given everyone a bit to speculate on, but yeah. I think it's maybe just maybe a more sinister look to it because mm-hmm. we're expecting this film to end on somewhat of a down note i would say much like empire strikes back i'm expecting the force order to come back in a big way and i'm expecting kylo to have a really large presence Mm -hmm. in this movie so it may be referring to that a bit it may just be a creative or a design choice they had done let's contrast a bit what we did with the force awakens step away from what they built in the force awakens in the sense that we're relating a lot of that movie to what we've seen before maybe they're paving their own path with this yeah so it's something different i like the red font i think it's cool i love it here's a curveball though maybe and i just thought this just now could be totally crazy Kylo Ren was Luke's pretty much last apprentice or at least he killed all the other apprentice yeah he was probably a Jedi at some sort right but he's not actually a Sith we do know Force Awakens he's not a Sith what if it's his kind of return what if he is technically the last Jedi because he's not actually been crowned a Sith or a Darth could it be his film could he be the last Jedi interesting because there's always that speculation going around about Rey and him flipping positions yes further down the line maybe at the end of this movie which would be a crazy twist it's it's a twist almost that you you see it coming maybe from afar and you really don't believe it right but when it happens you're like holy like that would blow my brain apart for sure like i don't even know how i'd be able to comprehend that sitting in the film because it's just because kylo or ben he went so far into killing his father how do you have a redemption story for a character that has done that has slaughtered what was the jedi order that luke was building yeah is now actively pursuing luke as well as kills his own father like that's a lot to come back from and i guess when you talk redemption stories though vader we all forgave him the younglings the sand people well they're sand people but the younglings yeah Yeah, well and all he did the the purging of the jedi and the the tyranny and how just relentless he was Mm. with people and systems that we've seen in the books we've seen in the comics everything like he is a a horrendous human or whatever you want (laughs) to call him he redeemed himself yeah Yeah. and he's redeemed when he pops off that mask and says my boy or whatever like we're all like okay yeah you're forgiven you you destroyed the emperor but yeah we're cool we're all good we're cool with everything you did which is crazy sometimes When you think about it, it you is. step back and, and realize what he's done. Like, even think about Vader down to the end of Rogue One. Yeah. How he just slaughtered people. Effortlessly. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Relentlessly. Unforgiving. Yeah. So, but it's interesting. I guess he could go down a redemptive path with Kylo Ren. I don't think I'd particularly like that. I like yeah. the path that they're going that he is just pure evil. He's a seed. He's a spawn mm-hmm. of Vader. And yeah. I really like that. But one thing I was thinking about too with, yeah. with Kylo today was what happens when he realizes or if Luke reveals to him that Vader actually turned back? Like, well, that's he, the thing. Do you think he knows I don't that? think so. Because Bloodlines touches roughly on the fact of Vader, not so much Anakin being related to his mother Leia, right? Well, I think they know that there's the lineage there. Yeah. And that's revealed to the, the majority of the galaxy at yeah. this point. Well, in Bloodlines. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Luke's ever revealed, from my impression, that Vader actually came around and not so much apologized, but he saw the light again. And we Mm -hmm. do see his force ghost reappearing at the end of Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. So that gives us the indication that, yes, he's felt redeemed, more or less, within the force, I guess. Because that would make sense. Because then how would, like, in order for Kylo to believe so much in Vader, he'd have to not know about Anakin's existence or his turnaround. 
because he makes specific reference to the idea that I'm going to finish what you started, Grandfather. So yeah. he's thinking that, you know, going back into the archives and that, that Vader was the one that was purging the Jedi and exactly right. what Kylo's trying to do and yeah. almost completed that task, right? Mm-hmm. That was set before him by his grandfather. So he's following that mythos of Vader in his attempt to destroy what remains of the Jedi yeah. in his pursuit of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Crazy. Great title, though, right? This is what this title does. They knew exactly what they're doing over there at Disney. Yeah, yeah, like I said, it's just coming off the back end of Rogue One. Yeah. You know, it's dying down here. The theatrical release is going to come to an end within the next couple of weeks. It's yeah. crossed that billion-dollar mark. Let's give them a little something to chew on. Yeah. And my first reaction to this this title here, The Last Jedi, was much more positive than I think The Force Awakens was. When I read The Force Awakens, I didn't read too much into it at the time, but I did feel that it wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. And I've grown to really love that title, The Force Awakens. And as you see, I've, I've over-speculated into exactly what it means. Yeah. But this title, it feels like a Star Wars title. It feels like an OT Star Wars yes. title. And that's what I love about it. Absolutely agree, yep. And speaking a bit about Rogue One here and with Episode A, box office predictions. Like, people are already talking about what this is going to do as far as box office. So The Force Awakens did $2 billion worldwide. It almost did a billion dollars domestically. Wow. And Rogue One is wrapping up its theatrical run, probably another couple of weeks, like I said. And it's done about $500 million domestically and just over a billion dollars globally. So about half in every single market that The Force Awakens did. Do you think Episode Eight is going to match that of or surpass The Force Awakens? Or do you think it's going to play somewhere in between? It's a saga film, so it's always going to get like this Avengers-esque bump, I'll call it, mm-hmm. where you do have the fandom and the general population gets a bit more behind the stories they're a bit more familiar with as opposed to these standalone movies. That The accomplishment of Rogue One there doing a billion dollars is unreal, especially for a standalone movie. Yeah. You know, it did feel like a Star Wars movie, and it played a lot to what we felt in the OT, but at the same time, it's not a saga film. Right. So do you think this is going to surpass The Force Awakens? It's tough to say. The Force Awakens had all the, all the anticipation, um, all that buildup. Yeah, 10 years. 10 years of the buildup. So it's going to be tough. This could definitely be a better film than Force Awakens. And I, and I love The Force Awakens. I think it's going to be in between. Uh, we still have to see the marketing, the campaign for this this movie. It's going to be a big push from Celebration or uh, the Super Bowl if they have a spot. It's going to be a hard push for this movie, but it just it really depends. It's a Star Wars film, so it's gonna it's gonna crack huge numbers. It's definitely going to do better than Rogue One, but it's going to be hard to pass that Force Awakens line. Yeah, the yeah. anticipation I think is is what it's is key. going to maybe hold it back a bit. Yeah, but you have to think about it too, like. It's, this could be one of Leia's last portrayals on screen, and depending thing. on what they do in Episode Nine with her. So a lot of people are going to flock to the theaters to get that that one last Leia scene mm-hmm. and that one last Leia experience prior to maybe what they're going to do at the end of Episode Eight. We don't know exactly what they're going to do. And we've we've talked about that a bit, and it's becoming a bit. Like, I don't like talking about it anymore and speculating, (laughs) but that is one thing that may drive people in is they want to have that one last shared experience with her on the big screen. So I think that'll contribute to a bit, but I I agree with you. I don't know if it'll do quite Force Awakens money, Mm -hmm. but I think it's going to do enormous money when we're talking box office, even just domestically. I think this is going to ride up there second all time. 
I think it's going to sit right behind the force awakens. Like yeah. we don't have that 10 year absence. We don't have this, this new era of star Wars. People mm-hmm. are now familiar and people are more comfortable with the fact that we're going to get a star Wars movie every single year. And maybe we just don't have the time to go to the theaters. Like, of course you and I mm-hmm. want to see this Multiple numerous times, times yep. in the theaters. We're going to be there opening day and all that for sure. And fandom's going to be there, but your comment about a super bowl spot. Do you actually yeah. think in two weeks we're going to get a spot for this? Cause my prediction would have been maybe may time, maybe yeah. like guardians of the galaxy time. I know, and the thing is, I'm surprised that we even got this title announcement. That's the only reason why I thought maybe they'd fast-track it now, but at the same time, I don't think Disney even needs it. I mean, those Super Bowl spots are crazy expensive, and when you have a franchise like Star Wars, you really don't need those spots. So, yeah, I'm with you. Maybe we'll probably get something later on during uh, Guardians' run, but at the same time... um, they could they could literally do anything. They could yeah. literally just have Pose X Wing fly across the screen right. and just flash up the title and people yeah. would lose their lose rates. their minds. Like yeah. It could not even be footage from the movie. That's it could true. be leftover from the Force Awakens. Just to get and the just people hype. would never know, right? Yeah. For sure. But they're off to the right start. I mean, this title's huge. Yeah. And I think it's already better received than The Force Awakens. Yeah. So excited to see this. Can't wait. I'm also excited that we got the synopsis for the Thrawn book. This yes. book drops in a couple months, April 11th. You can get it on pre-order on Audible I now, I believe, mm-hmm. as well as your hardcover if that's what you prefer. Mm-hmm. But it's an interesting synopsis for this book and it really tells exactly what we thought it was going to be. It's chronicling his rise through the ranks of the Imperial military. And there's some interesting quotes in here. There's a reference directly to Darth Vader and how the Emperor views Thrawn as committed to the Empire as his pupil Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And there's some nice references to Governor Price, who is present in Rebels as well. And he yeah. does seem to have somewhat of a trusted aide that's going to be probably poking in and out of this book. Someone for him to riff off of that he is training to some degree. Mm-hmm. But I really like what they're telling us here. Like, this looks like it's going to be a, a thoroughly interesting book. And the fact that it's written by Timothy Zahn as the well. The man himself, yeah. Man, I'm really looking forward to this. I can't wait. Um, Going off, because you're more of the Thrawn expert uh warrior stood out to me was he known as being much of a warrior in the um extended universe there the legend universe to be honest with you and this comes to what we talked a bit about in the season three mid-season trailer with him doing the training and that i don't quite remember that and if there's anyone out there listening that does have a bit better idea if thrawn was a warrior i'd read those books maybe like 10 years ago yeah. or so so i can't quite remember if he did have any sort of warrior skills or if the because it was always about him being a tactician and the always. art and all that like that's how i remember thrawn i don't remember him throwing down really that's right and yeah because like you said uh, that rebels uh episode that we did a little while back we saw that trailer and i was questioning it like yeah. you know does, this guy seems like he's pretty pretty strong in, in his combat field basically yeah. right so so it is yeah. interesting and like we we talked about lost stars and all that like yeah. the fact that it makes sense that he's trained because all the admirals all the officers they keep up with their training mm-hmm. they're, they're cunning warriors but they're also cunning strategists as well yes i, I don't want to see the relationship the dynamic between vader and thrawn how cool would it be to have them almost opposing each other kind of like the battle that we got between tarkin and krennic yes. in catalyst but between vader and thrawn because vader sees this guy coming up yeah and sees the emperor favoring a bit of what he is he can do no wrong yep and you know is he going to take the place of vader maybe not so much from a sith or force perspective but more from finding the favor of the emperor well, that's just it, because obviously, you know, Tarkin kind of rivaled Vader, and at least in that position. When you read uh, the Vader comics, you know that Palpatine was always trying to make these freaks, these cyborgs, yep. these creations to always surpass Vader. So it'll be interesting to see where uh, Thrawn plays in that. 
And if he tries to pit them against one another. Right. Which like I'm we sure did see will. in the comics, right? Yes. So I'm immensely excited for this. This is at the it. top of my list for most anticipated books for 2017. The day this drops is the day I'm plugging into my headphones and just getting directly into this book. And I think it's going to bring a lot to this character. And I'm interested to see if Timothy Zahn transports a lot of what he did in the original Thrawn trilogy just back into the original trilogy here. Because this is going to be more or less the definitive Thrawn story yes. going forward. We're not going to see a reset of canon for a long time, if ever again. So this is going to be the story of Thrawn. I'm glad that Timothy Zahn is the one that is going to be doing it. And I think it's appropriate to have him in there. And he did some consulting with Dave Filoni and crew on Rebels about Mm -hmm. portraying this character. So they've respected what he did before. And having him come back is just another great thing, another great nod to the wider EU and the characters that they built in there and how they're transporting some of the fan favorites and some of the the real powerful characters into our new canon. Looking forward to it. Gotta get this book. All right, changing gears here a bit. Let's step over into the comic book world. Let's do our our comic book pick of the week. This has become a favorite segment of mine because not only do I love talking about comic books, but this segment in itself drives me to read several comic books a week where I had problems keeping up with comics (laughs) because I got distracted by other things. But I love having this here because I love talking about the comic books. And we'd also love to hear what your guys' comic book picks of the week are. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and tell us what you guys are loving. We'd love to see what other people are recommending. So we can jump into that too because we're always looking for a little something to jump into i know i'm always kind of stuck in the marvel world but i'm never opposed to jumping over and trying something a little different even in trade form yeah for sure i'd love to see your guys picks of the weeks out there for sure so troy yeah man what is your comic book pick of the week going back to dc again second time in a row last week was nightwing this week is his mentor the man himself batman number 15 uh, written by Tom King, and the art is by Mitch uh, Gerads. I hope I didn't butcher that name. This is a great book. It's a small, simple book. Um, I've always been a sucker for the art, and actually, this issue doesn't really have the best art. I shouldn't say the best art. It doesn't really appeal to me, um, but it's a love story, really, between Catwoman and Batman. Some really cool things going on here. You got your basic uh, cat and mouse kind of action going on. Batman's after Catwoman for being guilty of 237 counts of murder, basically. <laughs> but you find out along the way, without going giving too many spoilers, that Catwoman's kind of had her own Robin in a sense. This character called Holly, who's actually been kind of like the Jason Todd in the Bird family, where he's uh, where she is actually kind of a bad kid. But uh, it's a great book, simple story, and it's a two-parter called Rooftops. This is part two to end. The, the arc of um, I Am Suicide arc. So, yeah, it's a great book. Be sure to pick it up. Uh, DC's, uh, DC's treating me pretty good right now. Oh, man. <laughs> like, I, I love all comic books and that, but yeah. I, I like this rift between Marvel and DC. And yeah. I've always played into it. Yeah. But as you guys discuss how well the books are being received and how good they are on the mm. rebirth end of DC, it makes me more and more tempted each and every week to yeah. maybe step into that Batman world. Yeah, man. And they're, they're two ninety nine, correct? Two ninety nine American. American. Yeah, it's it's a little bit easier to swallow than the three ninety nine Marvel, it and really then I'm is. losing my digital as well. That's just it. Um, one last little cool thing with this book, this guy uh, Tom King, what he does is, um, you know, you have this encounter between Batman and Catwoman, and they go over their first encounter with each other, and the artist does something really cool where Batman recalls meeting Catwoman for the first time, and the art panel changes to like way back into like nineteen forty forty one um, era of Batman issue one, where like the art's different. 
And Catwoman's like, no, no, I recall it, I recall it a different way where the art turns back to uh, Frank Miller's year one Batman. And so they both have their own kind of recall of when they met each other. Really great panel. That sold it for me in this book. So issue 15, go out there and check it. Good That's stuff. That's really cool. Really cool. So is that maybe two different origin stories? Two different origin stories they combined. Like, oh, yeah, because year one really tried to reboot cool. Batman in a way, right? Yeah, it's, it's really clever what they did. And I just lost my mind when I read that. So good awesome. stuff. Yeah. Let's hear your pick of the week, man. I'm going to go a little sideways here. Cool. It's a Marvel book, of course. Of course. But I'm going to throw down Monsters Unleashed number one. Cool. And we have to remind the listeners here, too, these aren't our picks of the week for the week. These are our picks that we've actually read this week. Yes. <laughs> so not to be confused with our polls or anything like that from the week previous. This yeah. is our picks that we've actually gotten to and actually read. So sometimes I'm going to go back and, and give a pick of some ancient book Old that I picked stuff. up at a comic book store. That's right. But, <laughs> side tangent there, <laughs> Monsters Unleashed number one. This is Marvel's new crossover event. And something that I was fairly skeptical on coming into 2017, yeah. even going back to our most anticipated show a couple weeks ago. Right. But I have to say, the, the premise is a bit ridiculous. It's out there. So we have these comets coming from space. And as they crash, we're having these monsters come out and essentially start attacking the different cities. And you have each individual team protecting a different city. You see X-Men in London. You see the Avengers here. You see the champions. You see the guardians who are now planted on Earth defending different portions of it. But I really like how fun it was and how it got me introduced again to the different groups that are in the Marvel comic book universe. Mm -hmm. Because I found myself, like I said before, a bit distanced. But this book has brought me a bit back into the idea of the different groups and got me a bit more familiar with who's on the champions, what's going on in the Guardians world, what's going on in the Avengers, because I'm still not up to date with all those books. And I love what they did with Hercules in here. Oh, that's great with the Avengers scene there in Boston, or where is it? I can't remember exactly where they yeah. were, but he had a big part in this, and he was a lot of fun. He's yeah. a character that seems a bit dislocated when you refer him directly to the Avengers. Like, he has a long history with the Avengers. Yeah. If you go back to the early days, he does make his presence felt in some of the early Avengers comic books, and we do see the original team disperse. That's right. But it was a fun book. It's a nice change. It's a nice tonal change from this hero versus hero that we've been kind of immersed in since Civil War popped up in the theaters. And then the comic books reacted to that by having the Civil War II event. Mm -hmm. So I like the change here. And the art is okay. It's good. Like I didn't find myself taken out of the comic book by the art. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's just a lot of fun. It's a nice change of pace for a while. It really is. Because we had, you know, the Inhumans versus X-Men, or I think that's still going on. Still going, yep. And then we had all of Civil War, and then we had the movie Civil War. So it's a lot of heroes bashing heroes. And even on the DC world, right? It's Suicide Squad versus Justice League. Exactly. So a lot of that going on right now. And it's nice to see them pull back and do something different, which I like. So. That's my comic book pick of the week, Monsters Unleashed number one. Go check it out for a nice, fun read over at Marvel. And something that might get you a bit more engaged with the Marvel comic book universe again. Because that's what it did for me, and that's why I'm picking it this week. It's it's got me re-engaged with Marvel. And some cool stuff, because I know you're a big Indiana Jones fan. That little Indiana Jones moment in that that book was cool. And Fing Fang Foom pops up, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, he's always a ridiculous character, (laughs) I find. (laughs) But his presence is always welcomed on my part. Like, I I like sometimes having those ridiculous callbacks to the older days and when they kind of shoehorn them into the modern age of comic books. I just love it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, check it out. And as we've wrapped up 2016, are now driving well into 2017, we have our awards season upon us. We talked a bit about the Golden Globes a couple weeks ago, and the big one dropped 
just today, the Oscar nominations for 2016. And you and I are both big fans of these award shows. Mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate watching them. I like the dialogue that we do have with the hosts. And I like honoring some of these movies. And it always gives me an opportunity to go back and look at films outside of the comic book universe, outside of superheroes and Star Wars and the big blockbuster tentpole movies. This this helps me focus in on some of the movies that are more of the critically acclaimed movies and the movies that maybe touch me more emotionally as opposed to appealing to my broader love of comic books and Star Wars and all that. And there's a huge list of Best Picture nominations from this. And you're slowly working your way through these films. But let's talk a bit about some of the Best Picture stuff here. We have The Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water. These are all movies that you've expressed to me in the yeah. last couple of weeks. Like, dude, you got to check some right. of these out. These are big movies. Yeah. What are your thoughts of this whole list here? Yeah, for Best Picture, it looks uh, it looks pretty good. It's jam-packed. Um, I've seen Moonlight, saw um, Hell or High Water, and I've seen Hacksaw Ridge. Going to see actually La La Land pretty soon. Uh, looking forward to that movie. But it's yeah, it's, it's a good-looking list. I wasn't actually the biggest fan of Hacksaw Ridge. I had um, I think that was all my most anticipated for 2016. I was really looking forward to that. But big Andrew Garfield fan. Not the biggest Mel Gibson fan. Okay. At least behind the camera. It, right? He directed it. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I won't I won't go into a review of that movie at all. But yeah, this list looks pretty great. And man, all I can say is Moonlight. Yeah, great yeah. Movie. you're talking yeah. about big time over the weekend. Yes. And I'm thoroughly excited to go check that out. Mm-hmm. And La La Land here, it cleaned up 14 nominations, tying the most ever with Titanic. Wow, that's a most nomination. Well, oh sorry, but Return of the King got the most wins, I believe, right? Yeah, Return okay. of the King. Yeah, I think got the most wins. But this is the most, most nominations, nominations going in. Awesome. And the way this got the love at the Golden Globes, and the way this got the love here, yeah, I think this is going to actually clean up pretty good. I haven't seen the movie; I heard yeah. nothing but good Great things. things. So my wife wait. is super excited to see it. Oh, yeah. I'm on board to see this. We've made a kind of a commitment. We say this every year, yeah. myself and my wife, is that we're going to run through the majority of these best pictures. And I think her and I are going to make a real effort this year to get through at least the majority of Sweet. these. Sweet. Yeah. So, and we always do here in the Nerd Room, or at least last year we did, and we're going to continue it this year, yep. is we do an Oscar prelude episode where we do our predictions, what we think is going to win, and we do put a little wager on it last yes. year. Last what did we do myself? Yes. Last <laughs> I lost. year, Troy lost. <laughs> Myself, Victoria. Yeah. So I got, I got a title to defend got here. Got the belt. So some of it's a bit of a guessing game. <laughs> and others, I'm always just like, Star Wars is going to win. Yeah. Star Wars is going to win. I was so disappointed when it didn't. But we do get a couple nods here in the Oscars for the movies that you and I discuss here a lot in the nerd room. Doctor yeah. Strange and Rogue One got nominated for Best Visual Effects. Yeah which is to be expected. Yes. Best Sound Mixing, Rogue One got a nod as well. And Best Makeup and Hair, Suicide Squad and Star Trek. Yeah. I don't know why Suicide Squad for Best Makeup and Hair. I can't... Was it the Joker or uh, Harley Quinn? Maybe Killer Croc, but I thought his oh, makeup yeah, was guess... horrible. Killer Croc, and, yeah. And there's those putties for the Power Rangers in that movie. Oh, yeah, but they're all CGI, I think. I think it's a bit of both. Was it both? Yeah. And then there was the inflatable, like, car wash yeah. dancing person. <laughs> and the Enchantress. <laughs> yeah. Nothing really stood out no. to me there. And Sanjay's going to kill us because he was yeah. super excited that it got nominated yeah, it was. for an Oscar. Because he told us, you now have to refer to Suicide Squad as the Oscar-nominated Suicide Squad. I saw that tweet. I just rolled my eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Sanjay. I'm not doing that. Uh, so, <laughs> 
So I'm really looking forward to checking out this award show and actually getting through some of the list of these movies. Definitely. Like it's, it's something that, like I said, we're going to focus in a lot here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Um, yeah, I, I've said it before. I'm really uh, big on the music scene, and I can't wait to uh, to watch um, La La Land. I'm a huge fan of uh, Emma Stone, and I really do like Ryan Gosling yeah, a lot. Yeah, they're so. both great actors. Fantastic. Yeah, and I think even John Legend's in there too, actually. So that'll oh, be, yeah, that'll he be is. exciting. Yeah, he, he is. Yeah, is. so that'll be cool. Awesome. So look for our Oscar prediction episode dropping the week before the Oscars. So I think the Oscars are sometime in March. Yes. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So yeah. look for that episode towards the end of February and into March. So I, th- I think Deadpool is getting some love too, isn't he? Or or he is close to it. Yeah, because they're were, they were petitioning. Or... The screenwriting? Yeah, I think yeah. so. But didn't I didn't it, see it in yeah, there. Yeah, I guess he didn't make it close. Yeah, because but... I went through pretty quick here. Yeah. So if we did miss it, make sure you let us know. Yeah. I don't think Deadpool don't think was made it. in there. There was no. talks of it, but he didn't make it? Okay. Yeah. That would be interesting, though. It would be nice been. to see something like that. Something very sideways nomination. Yeah. And speaking about movies, jumping over to the Marvel Cinematic Universe... They began shooting literally everything this past week. We got our first set photos and confirmation that Black Panther has started shooting. Yeah, Man, am I excited for this film. Can't wait, man. Chadwick Boseman, Boseman and uh, Michael B. Jordan. This like, is going to be sweet. Did you see that photo that Michael B. Jordan posts on Instagram? Cut. Holy Cut. crap. Jeez. Yeah. The guy's bigger <laughs> than he was for that Rocky movie. For, the, for Creed. Yeah. I know. Like His trainer is phenomenal. Awesome. I can't believe this guy. Eric Killmonger. <laughs> my buddy my buddy sent me a text of him yesterday and I was just like <laughs> My buddy and I I think I've said this before, but we have this this kind of back and forth text message where we text almost exclusively in Michael B. Jordan photos. And I'm going to see him this week and he texts me this photo. He says, This is how jacked I am to see you this week and I was like, Oh my god, that was the first time I saw it. I was like, This doesn't even look real. Yeah, that's crazy. So you guys got your own like Michael B. Jordan Snapchat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exclusively awesome. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Awesome. What did you think of the new title card for Black Panther? I really like it. It's cool to get away from like the the chromed out, glittery yeah. looking uh, font. So yeah, I really appreciate what they did, and, and I feel like it fits the character more, right? Exactly. Yeah. I agree with you fully. There, it makes it feel more like a Black Panther movie. Like yes. that that first logo, it was somewhat likened to the comic book one currently yeah but what they have here is a bit more primitive i would say mm-hmm. i really like what they did yeah and a little more grounded eh? yeah yeah and also infinity war avengers infinity war began shooting i believe on the 23rd which was monday or maybe tuesday i can't quite remember but there's some set photos well i'm gonna say set photos in quotes because the russo brothers did acknowledge the fact they started shooting by showing us a humongous row of RVs. Looks like the trailers for the entire cast, Jeez. which stretches from the front of the screen all the way to the end. And we know there's a massive cast in this, and we get continued confirmation of people who are going to be in this. Dave Batista confirmed that he has started shooting Infinity War on the first day. So Drax is going to be in this movie in a big way, I think. Oh, I can't wait for that. He's, he's my standout for that team, for Guardians. So I can't wait to see Drax on there. I'm so excited to see how they integrate Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 into Infinity War. Because yeah. that's going to be our last appearance of Guardians prior to seeing them a year later in Infinity War. And they have to have some sort of setup there because we do have confirmation that Gamora is in it as yeah. well. And I'm sure we're going to see Chris Pratt's Star-Lord showing I'm up sure as well. yeah. Man, this is going to be a good movie. It's going to be expensive to make. Jeez, and they're shooting them back-to-back. The Avengers Infinity War and the yet-to-be-titled Avengers 4. I'm assuming we'll get the title at the end of Avengers Infinity War. Yes, totally agree. Um, Because that's going to be like the pop-up. That's going to be your end credit scene or one of them. Be sure to stay tuned to see these characters end. 
Exactly. Yeah. How they usually do that, you know, Captain America will return yes. at the very end of the entire credit sequence. Yes. And that, I think that's when we'll get the Avengers Infinity War Part 2 or whatever it's going to be called, Infinity Gauntlet. Yes. And that, so. Can't wait because Marvel and Kevin Feige have a plan. They know what they're doing, DC. <laughs> You're not really saying anything <laughs> specific, are you? <laughs> it's interesting because there seems to be a, this shroud of secrecy around this. Like, to us, that's that makes sense. Yeah. But even the cast, we, there's an interview with... Elizabeth Olsen and Jeremy Renner and Dave Bautista also commented on this that they started shooting and had yet to see the script. Wow. Yeah. That's ballsy. Holy. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what, I don't know how they do the pre production stuff. If they do like the practice scenes and do table reads and all that first, yeah. if that's considered your first day of production, okay. or if it's full costume swinging Drax's blades and right. Hawkeye's arrows. Like, I don't know exactly what first day of production actually I means. Wonder. Yeah. But it looks like it's going to be probably the next year when we're getting images from these films. So we're inevitably going to get the set footage and we're inevitably going to get backstage photos or leaked photos and all that. Yeah. And trying to piece some of this together is going to be a lot of fun over the next couple months. Yeah. Because we're also doing this massive MCU retrospective right here in the Nerd Room. We have recorded our first episode, Iron Man. And we're going back and revisiting some of these films or all of the cinematic yeah. films over the next 16 months as we build into a weekend of release review of Avengers Infinity War. So it's very appropriate for us to be dropping our first episode this Monday, January 30th. That's where we're going to be dropping our Iron Man look back and review. We talk all about the inception of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well as go through in a lot of detail our thoughts on the Iron Man movie. And I just have to say... I, that movie is something else. Like I hadn't seen it for a couple of years and revisiting this with the hindsight of what they've built into, it's an incredible film. Yeah, it, it holds up. If you guys go back to our Doctor Strange review, I put Doctor Strange at the top of my list for the best standalone origin story. I take it all back after going back to Iron Man 1 because this movie holds up to this day from the CG, from the storytelling, to the directing, to the humor. This movie has it all. So be sure to check us out on Monday, next Monday. Yeah, so that will be dropping on the same feed you're listening to right now. And we'll be dropping a new episode each month. Be sure to head over to our Podbean page and check out the pages at the top. There's a little bit of description in there as exactly what movies we're going to be doing every single month. Next month, February is going to be Incredible Hulk and so on and so forth. We're going to try to go as chronologically as possible through these movies while also supplementing in the weekend of release reviews for the newest Marvel Cinematic Films. So like Troy said, make sure to check back here on Monday in the feed you're listening to. There's going to be no Star Wars Rebels alert for the next couple of weeks. So that's going to take the place next week of our usual Monday release. So yep. check that out. Nice. Super excited to do this series and I'm really happy that we're getting back into this while driving into Avengers Infinity War. Can't wait. And sticking with Marvel films here, we had a big trailer drop. The final trailer for Hugh Jackman's last portrayal, maybe, of Wolverine in the Logan trailer. The final Logan trailer here. And we said last week we're going to discuss this and we're going to review this. We're going to pop it up here and do somewhat of a play-by-play -play review. But first, before we get into that, they did release a synopsis prior to dropping this trailer and it reads in the near future a weird logan cares for an ailing professor x in a hideout on the mexican border but logan's attempts to hide from the world and his legacy are upended when a young mutant arrives pursued by dark forces they really missed their they should have put in pursued by sinister forces they really should have <laughs> <laughs> so this synopsis immediately disappointed me I've had fears and I've expressed those on the podcast yeah. about what this movie actually is and if it's going to fall victim 
to the trope has become the X-Men films. This, you get a great first trailer, you're really excited for this, and then you see something and you're like, this doesn't seem right. Something is a bit off here. Yeah. And the synopsis kind of points me in this direction already before seeing the trailer. When I see in the near future and hiding out on the Mexican border. Because I feel like in the first trailer, they really played to this idea that they're in this old man Logan setting. But it just turns out they're hiding out in the desert. <laughs> it seems. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, going into this, you know, um, I love the old man Logan book, uh, what they did there. Um, I, I know Fox can only do so much with that story. So for them to kind of get away from that, I totally understand it. I get it. I'm still on board with this trailer, still on board with this movie, even, even with the synopsis. Um, because again, you know, I, I might be crazy, but I kind of get a little bit of a, a Winter Soldier vibe, not for the actual storytelling, but for the fact that Winter Soldier did a good job of showing you much like the Dark Knight, what we can do with these superhero movies. They don't have to be just like Sam Raimi, Spider-Man. We can tell no. different stories like a suspenseful thriller, right? So I feel like this movie is going to go that route too. They're going to give us a completely different story that we weren't expecting so i can't wait for this i can't wait for that i'm not 100 percent on the the little little girl uh like hip girl kind of x23 but it it could work both ways it could be a big surprise i'm hoping it's a big (laughs) surprise yeah i'm sometimes a bit skeptical on things and maybe a bit less optimistic than i should be Um, but some of this has still got me a little worried and we'll get into that a little bit but one thing I also want to talk about here was that Hugh Jackman caused a little bit of an uproar in fandom yeah because he was discussing through Twitter or through Instagram or something about how this wasn't connected and this was in a different universe than the other X-Men films and so people were immensely confused by those comments and that concerned the director enough to come out and actually state specifically when this movie is being (laughs) set and the fact that it is tied to the x-men universe so he says it's it takes place in 2029 five years after the events of the future of days of future past okay which future it's not really specified i'm assuming it's the alternate timeline future Mm -hmm. because they did set up logan in a different light in the x-men apocalypse movie so I'm assuming oh. it's coming off of that splayed timeline, this new timeline. Well, see, because you're the expert on the timeline. So I thought what we saw in Apocalypse, that Wolverine that wandered off, was essentially a, still a prequel to what we see at the end of Days of Future Past play out. So if you, if you look at the original timeline, that includes X-Men Origins Wolverine. So oh, okay. all of that happened in the 70s. Yes. So that was Weapon X in the 70s. Yes. And the X-Men Apocalypse movie was in 1983, which shows him in Weapon X being transformed at that point. Mm -hmm. So you have like a 10-year spacing or 10 years later when Wolverine enters into the Wolverine state as far as being the adamantium claws and all that. Oh, so is Origin still in this universe then? Because I thought it was white. It really depends. I think you can cut about half of Origins out. Okay. If you take it in just finite dates yeah parts of x-men origins wolverine is still valid and oh. parts aren't okay so that's how i've always yeah. you have to tweak that it's a <laughs> it's a big cluster you know but i think at the end of the day when you look at x-men origins wolverine and just say that's part of the original timeline even though it steps all over continuity mm-hmm. it looks like wolverine got his adamantium claws in the 70s at some point yes and then in this movie, 1983, that's when we get Wolverine getting his adamantium claws. So there is a bit of a spacing difference between when he gets his adamantium claws in the original and when he gets them now. Okay. Or in this new timeline. So oh, okay. that's why I think they're a bit different. I right. might be completely wrong. <laughs> Who really knows? Who knows? Universe? And, and, that, and that brings me to my point. I mean, going off of Hugh Jackman's uh, comments, 
it doesn't really bother me because to be honest, I've given it up on the X-Men continuity universe, at least after going into Apocalypse, because I feel it's just become such a mess. If Fox is willing to take the DC comics route where it's creativity over continuity, I'm fine with that as long as they give me a good movie. Because I feel Apocalypse, they're, they're, they're trying to fit that in some timeline. It just wasn't working for me. I like what they did with Days of Future Past. I like what they did with First Class. Yeah, Those two made sense to me. But everything else has just been a big mess. So if they just scrap that all and just give me a good story, then then I'm on board. Cause I I'm think that's what can save this movie because yes. the continuity is out the window. It's Yeah, completely. Like, like yeah. As much as we try, and this is something that we love about the cinematic movie, and, and this is what a lot of companies and production companies and, and film studios are trying to emulate, is this idea of a cinematic universe and building up this larger basis to your films yeah. and to have something to leverage off, as, whether it's characters or whether it's story, and whether it's just hints and nods towards a bigger universe. Mm-hmm. But the X-Men have had this idea ingrained in them and they've had the opportunity to do so much with it because they have so many characters to work with. Like they could do literally anything. They could nod as little or as much as they want to. Like look at what Deadpool did. It nodded to that universe and it felt like it was kind of in that universe, but it didn't have to do this big extravagant, we have to have Hugh Jackman, Wolverine in this or whomever. We don't have to to reference this date in this movie. Exactly. It's just, this is what it is. We're going to acknowledge this. We're going to acknowledge the fact that it was a bit chaotic. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. I think we have to focus a little less on continuity and more on the creativity and more on the story of this to yes. see if it's actually successful because it's not tying in no. really in any way. And I don't think we can ever expect that anymore. It's it's going to be about the story. Yeah. So let's jump in and quickly talk about this trailer. We're not going to go through it in too much detail because there's a lot of this that we had talked about in a previous podcast. If you go back and check out our review of the original Logan trailer, we'll go through a lot of what we felt when we watched that trailer and we're just going to kind of go at a high level here does this change our opinion about the logan movie from that original trailer all right well i just had somewhat of a transformative experience here i had expressed a lot of doubt in the last probably 10 minutes or whatever talking about this trailer and we just sat back and re-watched it here with the sound on and i found myself actually thoroughly enthralled by this i don't know what just happened i watched it the first couple three four times on my phone maybe that had a bit of an effect yeah. but i actually enjoyed the trailer a lot more yeah. as we're about as i expressed all this doubt, and as we're about to talk about this and i'm about to come down hard on this i just was like ah oh, man now i sound like an idiot for the last like five minutes because i like some of this that's hilarious i saw issues with a few things yeah. but i actually liked it a lot more because awesome. even kicking off here i had an issue with the music because yeah. going from that johnny cash song i felt they set a tone for mm-hmm. us in this movie and what we're going to actually get and they kind of shift it here in this trailer which yeah. i wasn't a fan of the first time i watched it. my first viewing experience I, that was the thing i felt the most was this feels like a different movie right. it doesn't feel like this black and white old man logan yeah. johnny cash gritty. in the background gritty yeah. film it's it's a bit different what do you what are your thoughts on the change of the music and change of the tone of the trailer yeah uh initially the first bit of the score the music that we hear i'm not the biggest I'm not, I'm not that fond of. Um, but it does turn around for me, I think, within the next like, f- 10, 15 seconds. I think the move, the music does change. But I love this opening scene we get here with X-23 in the convenience store. Um, that's great. You know, I got I to gotta say, going back to our first initial review, and just general talk of this movie, I wasn't the biggest fan of the choice of the portrayal of X-23 that they're using. Yeah, the young girl. The young girl. But now i got to say, it's growing on me. She's she's going after like that hit girl. And i got to say, coming off of Stranger Things, this is like Eleven, kind of like. Whoa. You know? Man. Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of liking it. I'm kind of liking what we're getting so far. 
<laughs> I, I'm having just an out-of-body experience right now because I've gone from not liking this trailer to after you saying that. Yeah. I, I agree. I'm yeah. more on board Sweet. with this girl. Yeah. I'm still not into the idea of her slaughtering people. Yeah. Like, there's a lot there. And I'm not convinced that the rated R cut for a Wolverine movie is going to benefit it like it did with Deadpool. Deadpool was more about being explicit and having the swearing, the F-bombs and all that in here, but being funny and light about it. Even the violence in there is lighthearted violence, even though it is gory at times. I feel that the the lightheartedness takes away from that intense gore, where this is more of a serious film that has a lot of serious violence in it. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm kind of questioning a bit of the decision to go rated R. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a big fan. Some of these scenes of just unnecessary swearing, yeah. I really like that. When people say you know, drop f bombs yeah. like Professor X at the end of this trailer, I'm howling. Like I love that. Love like it's that. so yeah. out of character. It is, but I just love. I don't yeah. know what it is. I just get giddy about it. Like yeah. I like when people just drop f bombs. It's great. It works, and they you know they've been known to do it going back to uh, Days of Future Past yeah. and First Class, right? by Hugh Jackman so it's good stuff yeah and we did, we did watch the Red Band trailer so we got a bit more of the gore and also the language as yes. well but a lot of this trailer is focused in on X-23 it was someone that was slightly teased in the original trailer and this one goes full on with her and giving you a little bit more insight into this character and we get a scene here a nice scene at the start like you said with her in this convenience yeah. store and it's also this Quicksilver looking dude <laughs> from the MCU when I right. saw it for the first time on my phone I was like this is almost too much of a coincidence. Like it yeah. looks like Quicksilver it in the background. It looks just like him. Uh, Aaron Taylor Paul, I believe, right? Yeah. yeah. Or Johnson, sorry. Yeah, Aaron Johnson Taylor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and she's a pretty badass character. And she, she seems is. to have that feral nature to her that we did see in Logan in X1, right? Yeah. Like he didn't have this ability to communicate or interact with actual people. She's almost like an animal in right. a sense. And see, this comic book pops up, and and for me, it works. It's it, it's kind of like going back to the continuity issue. It's kind of like calling out, like we got this comic book here, and potentially everything that you've seen before in the past films could have been in these comic books. And this is like the real X Men, you know. So it's kind of cool they play on it, and it's kind of like and big f you to Marvel, like hey, we got a comic book of the X Men right here, yeah. you know. But um, again, yeah, I, I know some people don't like it. It worked for me this scene, yeah. I'm kind of half there, half not. I like the idea of being a bit self-referential and the fact that we do have these stories, these X stories that have been blown out of proportion within the kind of the real world. Yeah. But I thought it was a bit too on the nose. It's a bit more of a Deadpool style of self-referencing that I felt doesn't exactly fit this. I'll have to see how it integrates into the movie here because it looks like it's X-23 that is reading these comics. It does have interest in Professor X in the old stories of the X-Men. And it'll be interesting to see how much they actually replicate in whatever Brian Singer's doing with the next X-Men as far as tying a bit more into this, even this scene a little bit. Yeah. I wonder if Logan even mentions, like, I didn't wear this suit, you know? That would be cool. That'd be cool, right? I never wore that. I never wore that, yeah. spandex. (laughs) That would be awesome. Yeah. So coming up here in this scene now, we get our first kind of taste of what x-23 is capable of taking on this this juggernaut of a person yeah these right? these reavers here the what seem to be one of the main villains of the film and she yeah. does seemingly i thought she decapitated yeah. that. like when i first saw this i thought she was walking in with a head under her arm but it turns out it's just the the handcuffs or whatever and she's right. a bag but i was like wow that is intense right yeah and then she just goes berserker mode here. Yeah. And this is one of the things, like I said just a couple minutes ago, that I did have issues with, with a gore with a young girl. And maybe it's me having a young daughter and 
I, I just not fully into us. I would mm-hmm. feel better if she was 16 or 18 years old. Yeah. Someone that could handle that. But it depends on how they evolve the character and how they introduce her and demonstrate what she's gone through. If they can have a bit of exposition or show us how she's been brought up. You know, maybe she's been tortured a lot. A lot yeah. of what Logan went through in his early stages of transformation into the adamantium skeleton Wolverine character. That's right. <laughs> First F bomb. Of the Love trailer. It. Yeah. Cool but, car scene going on. But this this girl, she seems to be able to hold her own when it comes to stunts. Because that's one of the difficult things is the believability that this young girl is actually doing a lot of this. And mm-hmm. from this, I'm seeing, you know, she's on the hood of the car. She's slicing. She's dicing. She's yeah. running around. She's holding her own. And there's a couple of scenes a little later on the trailer where she's jumping over Wolverine. She's doing the wire work. Like, it's yeah, really cool to it, see. It is. Kind of like that one-two punch. I think having Professor X in this film is a real benefit to it. Like I, the, the the interplay between Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart is absolutely fantastic, and it shines through on the screen that they have worked together before. And yeah. Patrick Stewart, he is an absolute gem. Like his presence in this is probably my one of my favorite parts of this trailer. Yeah, especially his last line. <laughs> and what a great send off it'll be for the character or characters because you know this franchise started with these two, and I think those two were the strongest points in X One. So it's great to see these two kind of uh, finish off this franchise at least. Yeah, that last sign off almost exactly. Oh, and then we got the classic old man look, right? Right from uh, Mark Millar's old man Logan, the, the jacket. Yeah, the yellow claws. jacket yeah. and the claws out. It's perfect. Hugh Jackman's looking good here. Yeah. I know I commented before, maybe he's not looking as big, but I think that yeah. might have been on purpose. I think they're going for that look, right? Yeah. A lot of family interplay you yeah. see in this. I think that's really nice. It's a nice scene with them sitting around the table mm-hmm. there. Some more action in the woods, the classic Hugh Jackman. Berserker uh, mode, Berser- finally. Yes. Like, we did see it in... X-Men Apocalypse in yeah. that scene, but not to the degree we're seeing here. This is full on smash my claws through your face. There's blood flying. It doesn't seem like it's finished. The, the blood just doesn't look right. It's not splattering right. Great. And this is one of the scenes I had issues with, with him kind of flying through the air, doing the, the classic Logan jump. But it looks like they fixed a bit of that in From this the initial, trailer. From the first yeah. one, right? Yeah. This, scene, uh, this trailer is doing such great jobs of uh, showing off the best things we like of Wolverine. You know, we got the cool old man Logan desert looks, and then we get him in the woods, the wilderness, which is just all so Logan. And that title drop. Yeah, the, I the love the that there. Yeah. yeah, it's great. And this last line of, with Patrick Stewart here, again, it's unnecessary to have the F-bomb in there, but the way he drops it, I freaking love yeah. it. Like, I watched this for the first time on my phone, as most of us do, yeah. and I burst out laughing at this scene with him just dropping the F-bomb. Like, I don't know what it is about dumb swearing and the the need for it but i yeah. freaking love it. if you're gonna do it you gotta do it this way it's almost maybe i guess people that you don't expect it from exactly you, you expect it out of hugh jackman yeah you don't expect it out of patrick stewart's <laughs> professor x yeah, right? at like, that age yeah. yeah and you're probably gonna get x23 dropping it too i'm sure we're gonna get one little yeah. whisper there right yeah all in all what did you think of this trailer and what does it do for you for this movie yeah, it keeps my excitement level to a high. Um, this this movie's high on my list for 2017. Can't wait to see it. I love what they're doing. Uh, the location just looks great. Again, I love the, the desert look that we got going on with Old Man Logan. I know it's not going to be the Old Man Logan that we're familiar with in the comic book, but that's okay. I like where the, the direction that they're going here. And again, they really won me over with X-23 because going back to this whole point uh, with the last trailer, that is necessarily my weakness or I felt like that was their weakness, was uh, X-23. But I think they've done a great job of showing her off and really winning me over. Yeah, well, this trailer has won me over in this viewing. Yeah. So, like, I did express doubt. And there, I do still 
hang on to some of that. I don't like that the tone has seemingly changed from trailer to trailer. Mm-hmm. We do see that in films nowadays. They try to capture something different. Yeah. And they try to present the movie in a different form than we're actually going to get. I don't really like that because we did get a lot from the director from Hugh Jackman, all these black and white photos. Yeah. It really gave us an idea that this movie is going to be very different tonally from some of the X-Men films. But it just looked like it's going to be an amped up as far as gore, Berserker, Wolverine, and all that. And I can appreciate what they're doing here. They're trying to play to some of that old man Logan storyline. They can't do it. Yep. But they're going to try their best to emulate some of it. Because this is a favorite storyline of yours. I have yet to read it, but it's something yep. that I'm going to get into before even going and seeing this. Nice. It's inspired me to do that. And like I said, watching this for the fourth time, I'm, I'm encouraged again. I feel better about this movie. There are still some missteps, I think, in that trailer that maybe could have got me a little more on board with the villain. I think maybe that's where I'm having my yeah. biggest sticking point is that Hugh Jackman looks good. Patrick Stewart's great. Like I said, I'm with you a bit more on board with X-23 right. now. It's just the Reavers and the main villain. I don't know if the dude in the white coat was supposed to be Mr. Sinister. Sinister yeah. I, I, I'm just not fully there with the villain. But I think that's not going to skew my anticipation level here. I'm back up to where I was before we actually watched this last trailer. Yeah. And I have come back around here. Nice. I'm back on board with you, Jack Wolverine. <laughs> I know I sound like an idiot now that I kind of was knocking this in the start, and now I'm hyping it up. But that's just the way it is. That's, that's what trailers do. That's just it. Sometimes it just has to marinate. You got to watch it a couple times. It's like a CD, right? Sometimes you got to listen to that track a couple times before you you like it, right? Yeah. So it sticks up there. I think I had it as my number six most anticipated, and I'm going to stick with that. That's nice. coming out in March. We're going to be doing a full review of that. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk a lot about the comics and that the week before that. We're going to go into discussing old man logan and some of the books that did inspire at least we think inspired this film as we always do with our comic book movies cool so that about wraps it up this week from us here in the nerd room it was an absolute pleasure talking star wars episode eight and having this experience with logan trailer right in the podcast like that was a lot of fun i really enjoyed that actually good stuff sweet so and just one last reminder guys our MCU retrospective series. Our first episode is dropping this coming Monday. It's discussing Iron Man. So be sure to tune back in here on Monday to check out that first episode. We're going to be doing this for the next 16 months. We'd love it if you guys took this journey with us. If you'd like to comment, question, or add any sort of speculation to the MCU retrospective or to anything we talked about today, are we crazy for our thoughts on the Logan trailer? What are your thoughts on what The Last Jedi means? How excited are you for the Thrawn book. Let us know by sending us an email at thenerdrm at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter. Our handles are at the end of the episode, or you can grab us at hashtag enter the nerd room. We'd always like to integrate the listeners into this and have a bit more of a wider discussion on these topics as we enjoy talking about them and we'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Absolutely, guys. Always appreciate you guys coming in and tuning in every Monday and every Thursday to listen to the nerd room and SW Rebels Alert. All right, guys, until next week for The Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And thank you for entering The Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim and Troy, on Twitter at TheNerdRM and TroyTheBoy87. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search The Nerd Room Podcast. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find other podcasts on the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network including Talk Star Wars, Generation X-Wing, Tumbling Saber, Rogue Squadron Podcast, and the Skyhopper Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.